Ace Podcast. So, Ryan, the new hit DC movie, Wonder Woman, just came out. What do you think of it, buddy? Well, it, it, it's really, really, really... It's just different. <laughs> Blood and Black Rum Podcast presents... Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from the moonisdeadworld.net and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? And uh, we're back with episode 70 of the podcast. Pretty cl- Coming up to the two-year um, anniversary of this. Been doing it for two years now. Almost. How much have we changed in the two years? A lot. We have grown tremendously. Yeah. We're the little podcast that could. That's right. That's right. We're we're doing it up. We're we're getting out there, and we're enjoying films. And every year that we go on, we we just do more and more films, important films, films that matter. Terminator Salvation. <laughs> yeah, not that, Salvation. Ter- Terminator Genesis. That's it. Tremors <laughs> Five. The important films. So it's pretty interesting that we were... We got off a little bit of our mission statement. Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, we're up well, almost two years, so that'll happen in July. July 5th. J- yeah, July 5th is the two-year... The year. exact date, so... The exact date we'll be recording on, but we'll release the podcast episode on Ju- July 6th. Well, maybe but... we'll rush it out. Yeah, and we'll get it out. Yeah. You'll, um, take, you'll take the day off, because after 4th of July, you might as well. That's right, that's and right. Just, why not? Yeah. Um, But... Before all that occurs and we we get to our two-year anniversary, um, we do have a new film for today, and it, it falls in line with some of the other stuff that we've done on the podcast before, because we are a podcast that basically does all the superhero movies now, too. Not only do we do, like, horror and giallo films, but superhero films are right in right on in there too we're a whore for the hits that's right yeah that's right we yeah you gotta you gotta do the new stuff or else no one no one will recognize you so no but uh we did venture out on uh sunday night we saw the new dc film wonder woman which is getting surprisingly good reviews um pretty much across the board i think what, what did i have on rotten tomatoes like a 96 at one point I haven't paid. You were the Something one. Like you, were, you were the one that brought it. It was up. like certified fresh and it had a pretty high rating on it. I don't know if it's there at this point because it's been out for a little while. It's probably gotten a few more reviews, and I don't know if it's exactly that high on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's definitely still in the eighties. Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely was getting a lot of of high reviews, and pretty much everybody was remarking that this is the best DC movie in the the film universe so far, and I have to agree. It certainly is. I came out of it and I said, Wonder Woman is definitely the best film in the DC universe so far that we've seen. Better than Suicide Squad, for sure. There's, and I have to remark right now, there are no, uh, you know, remixed rock songs or repurposed rock songs in here. For good measure, too, because this is a World War I film and they don't really belong. I mean, even hearing like the Beatles in a film about World War One would seem a little off. I was expecting the opening to be like her walking into the what is it? Is that the Louvre, right? What's that? That the 
plays she. Oh, I be- yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it's... I don't know if we actually got a location, did we? For where it was? I didn't. I wasn't paying attention enough to really oh, say like, the, what it was. You're the French maid. Was I, it the Arc de Triomphe? Was it the Louvre? I mean, it was sort of like a museum, I, right? I know, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm dro- I'm, I, sh- I should know this. Not clear head thinking right now. I mean, I can't. So I, I mean, but I know it's like you know. It was one of those in France. One some, of those, something important that, <laughs> gets, re- that gets destroyed in every disaster. Yeah. That, you know. I don't that, recall exactly what it was. Uh, if I had to guess, maybe it was the Arc de Triomphe. But I, no, but when she was like when she was like walking into, I was expecting like you know. Like, May, let's let's maybe have some Steppenwolf playing magic carpet ride. Like, yeah, you know, set set the, set the mood. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say that I I was a little surprised that there were no like classic rock, especially watching some of the trailers that they put out of like just some very terrible generic rock music set to action sequences. Very and, generic, terrible trailers. Yeah, the trailers. And, I didn't see the trailers for this movie until right before we started the podcast, and I'm glad I didn't. Because those trailers are do not make me like go. Oh, I gotta see this movie. Yeah, they're the most generic. Like, here's some random action scenes, and like, here's that little like, ooh, she said something snarky. I like that. Yeah. Oh, watch, or watch out. Or world. there's like a, uh, you know, there's action sequences, and then like to lighten the mood a little bit. Here's a little bit of humor. Here's a little, you know, make sh- making sure that Zack Snyder's universe. In his DC universe, you know, it's not so bleak and dark. Well, There's we, a little we, glimmer of humor in it. But we have, like, four films already that have been totally humorless. True. So why start now? <laughs> why start now? <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, I I was surprised a little bit seeing the trailers and, you know, the generic rock music. And certainly that's the M.O. for most of DC's lineup is let's throw some kind of unnecessary rock music in there to spice things up a little bit. But... Um, thankfully that's also missing from Wonder Woman. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, pretty much I want to start, I just wanted to start off the intro by saying definitely the best DC film that we've seen thus far. But what was the review leaving the film that I gave it? It's my famous line that I say for every movie that's very middle of the road. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know what you said. It's a movie. It is a movie. It's a movie. And that's what I will say. When I left this, you're right. When I left the theater, I did say, well, it is the best DC film in this new universe so far. At the same time, well, it's a movie, all right. I mean, it's motion pictures. We'll start by, <laughs> I mean, com- before we get into the actual film review and stuff itself, uh, would you say that you think that this movie it like meshes with marvel's universe is it as good as a marvel film is it um i would say it's a low tier marvel film low tier like probably one of the lesser i mean i i don't know you we haven't seen that very very many that's that's that like i was just thank you i was just about to preface that though i haven't seen and i have admitted before i have i have not gone out of my way to see all the marvel films i've seen a few of them the ones that i have seen I fairly enjoyed. I liked quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I I think this is the best DC film, but it's still, yeah, yeah. I I I, I and we'll talk about it more when we get more in depth into the review. But I don't really see the whole ultimate pr- like like just overflowing gushing praise for this film. 
that some reviews have garnered, and I think others have been a lot more middle of the road and really grounded in the reality of saying, you know, it is a good, it's a, it's a good DC movie. Um, but then when compared to more summer blockbusters or some action films, even some of the best of Marvel's canon, it doesn't compare. And there are some huge flaws in, in it itself. And, and there's a reason why it doesn't compare to Marvel, because if we're just comparing, you know, two superhero films, you would think for the most part, Wonder Woman follows the same premise as a Marvel film and really steps outside of like what the DC universe has done previously. This is not as convoluted as Suicide Squad, as poorly edited as Suicide Squad. And it's not as over the top ridiculous and, and brooding and brooding and um, like, as well, Man of Steel and I won't say that. as Man of, as Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Um, it so it definitely steps outside of those, and it it seems like they've learned something. Well, I mean, really. to be fair, I wouldn't say it's necessarily them taking cues from Marvel because comic books, whether it be DC, Marvel, Image, Archie, they all inherently have like certain vibes and trope, and that goes with DC and Marvel with like superheroes, like. Though they can be serious and dark and grounded, there's always a sense of humor and, like, levity to the situation. Mileage varies on where they go with it. Mm -hmm. I think the problem with the early DC films is they're Zack Snyder films, except Suicide Squad, which is David Ayer. But, as we know, that was a total fucking convoluted mess because of an attempt to, you know, get, get it into... More, more into, like, lighter. Whereas the, Z the two Zack Snyder films have been very... No humor to be found at all. Very whiny, bitchy, melancholy melodramas. Where they kind of realize people are like, Okay, we people really like the Nolan Grounded universe, but this is taking it... Wait, not just trying to ground it, but then, like, turning it into a soap opera. Mm -hmm. Suicide Squad should be something more fun, but they fuck it up in how they, you know, edit it and present it and can and everything with it. So they missed the mark on that, not because of they were trying to go for a lighter side. It, the fact that they were trying to be, ha you know, have more levity in it doesn't mean it was, it failed because of that. It means they fucked it up. Is And then its total essence is what fucked that film up. Yeah, and then I think uh, Wonder Woman. Out of all of them, it ca it gets all of that to a point. Yeah, and I think it's helped by the fact Zack Snyder is not directing this and not directing it. It has a better story that's more, uh, which he is a, a writer. I mean, he he had the story, story. And concept, but, but I think I think that like it's it's better grounded in Wonder Woman's actual. Um, uh, backstory and the concept rather than like Batman v Superman wasn't really grounded in a concept per se. Like here's Batman from be, you know, where he started to where he is now fighting crime or, you know, which thinking about now, what a jump the gun situation. You had Man of Steel to start this. Yep. Which I didn't even think when at the time when they made Man of Steel, they were thinking about a universe. No, they were probably just thinking like, okay, we're going to start a new Superman line. Exactly. But yeah. then, because you gotta think, this is like five years ago now. Because, like, yeah, it so was like, actually almost like a Superman version of Nolan's 
mm-hmm. Batman at that point because we're in that sort of okay, Nolan's Batman movies have been doing very well, so maybe we'll give Superman his own chance. You know, not not a Nolan movie, but uh, in a similar vein. Yeah, and that was kind of like the. The original plan, but yeah. then after, you know, Marvel, after a couple of years, have been having success with this, we have a schedule, we have a plan, it's not, they're not movies, essentially, they're just long fucking TV episodes, and, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's it's the modern day serial. Yeah. Except long. And long. They're like, and, and they're then... like, well, shit, we gotta do that now, so they rushed, you know, instead of doing, like, Superman 2 or whatever, like, well, we'll do Batman v Superman. So you don't even get like a bat a Batman movie to ground Batman in this new universe. You just have oh you got Bruce Wayne, he's a miserable fuck. And you got Superman, he's a miserable fuck. They're gonna fight. Yeah. You know, a movie that should have been saved probably till if you ask if you ask me at least. If I was planning it out. I would have saved that to like after Justice League. Probably till like after Justice League two. Because then you could have something happen in Justice League 2 where Bruce and Clark, they don't like each other anymore. Right. There's like, no I, impetus like, for them to not like each other and yeah. be Superman. So. Well, at least the reasons they give don't yeah. make sense, yeah. as we talked about with that. But at least with, like, like if I was setting it up, you go, okay, have your Superman film, have your Batman film, have your Wonder Woman film. Yeah. Something like and that. And then you can have a Justice League yeah. film. Like, like, again, not saying they have to do more, but it would just make sense to do that. Then and you can have them introduce them to lead Justice League, and then you can have them have their sequels on their own stories, which grow them as characters, and then lead to like Justice League Two, and that would make more sense for them, for Batman Superman to not wanna, you know, be friends anymore and work together. Yeah, that I, that would make more sense. But now it's like I don't like you. Know, I don't like you. We're we're gonna we're gonna fight. Like they're like just drunken assholes. Like at a bar, like they just bumped into each other. Like. Clark spilled beer on B- Bruce's, you know, petticoat at a bar. He's like, I'm gonna fight you, asshole. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't have started out with Batman v Superman either, and I wouldn't have gone right from Man of Steel to something like Wonder Woman because you're gonna have the the goons out there who's like Wonder Woman. I don't really care about her, so, you know, as like a starting point since Man of Steel was so far back. So yeah, you're right. I would have started with something like maybe get Batman a new a, like a new film with grounded in that universe, or maybe and you can't start- even and you can't even use the excuse that like well it's only a couple years removed from Nolan. Think of all like the Hulk reboots mm-hmm. and all the Spider Man, yeah, you know, Spider Man like, everywhere. Like they're like. Yeah. They wait. Sony wastes no like you know, and yeah. di- they waste no time. Like oh, or the, the Ed Norton Hulk failed. Yeah. We're gonna have a new next. You or know, I mean, new- I would have even maybe done like an Aquaman or something like that to kind of mm. build into the universe. And then you're right. Do Batman v Superman later, and Suicide Squad probably after Justice League. Yeah, there's no in, point in, in terms like, of in, in like having two exactly. Yeah, now you don't need really because the whole because because no, if you think about it canonically with like what's going on in the film franchise so far in the DC universe, nothing in the Suicide Squad that happens has any bearing so far on the building to Justice League. The only bearing it yeah. has is at the very end, the end credits when Bruce is talking to Amanda Waller to try to find out these med- where these metahumans are. So he can form the Justice League. Which, and really... Which you don't need a su- this, to do the Suicide Squad to get to that. No, and, re- and Justice League is generally around before Suicide Squad anyway. 
So it's not really like Amanda Waller's thing, and then Batman's like, you know, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. Except instead of getting like ultra violent, you, you don't know, think Batman would? Yeah, you know, you don't think Batman would have thought about guys. like or like not only that, but like after like the fight with Doomsday, when it was just him, Superman, Wonder Woman, took everything to beat Doomsday. And like, well, I do know there's other metahumans out there. Yeah, maybe, maybe we need to enlist their help. May, maybe you know we should form. You know, well, apparently the world's greatest detective can't. You know. Yeah. Can't figure it out. Come on. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break real quick and talk about our beer, and then we'll get into the meat of Wonder Woman. All right. All right. Sup, everyone. This is DK, the host of Vaguely Accurate, a science show delivering you the stories of cutting-edge research. We give early career researchers a voice by offering them the platform to talk openly and freely about their research while simultaneously challenging them to explain their work to a lay audience. It's the perfect show for anyone interested in health, science, medicine or news that doesn't need the background in any of these fields. Find out what's happening in academia simply. If you would like the opportunity to feature on the show, get in contact with us at vaguelyaccurate.com. You can find all the details on our website or at vaguecomments at gmail.com. Cheers, guys. Hear from you soon. And we're back. Um, so we got a new beer on the podcast tonight. Um, this is one... I mean, we've had this brand before. Several, and several times. Several times we've had very a variety of this brand. And generally, they don't even really do that much of a variety. But they've been trying to uh, think outside the box for a little bit. And uh, change things up and try out new styles. And I'm not quite sure why. Mm, I don't know. As, I think, as we've said before, I think it's probably just to sell, sell new things to people who are looking for uh, craft style, and they want to, you know, want to try it. Maybe they're curious like us. <laughs> probably. Uh, but we're talking about Guinness, which, as you know, we've had on here. We've had the Rye Pale Ale on here. We've had um, yeah, Nitro IPA. The Nitro IPA. We've done all of their like foreign stout, extra stout, regular stout. Yep. And uh, today we've got their sort of summer style uh, experiment, which is their Irish wheat, which is pretty interesting because upon first taste, you'll notice that there's nothing in it that really makes it taste like an Irish wheat. It's <laughs> no, it tastes like a Belgian wheat ale. It tastes like a Belgian wheat ale. Uh, it tastes a lot like one of uh, our one of our local Belgian style brewers, which is Amagang. Um, and you'll taste right away the, the, the Belgian-y wheat because it's a very, um, iconic taste. It, you can smell it, you can taste it, you know exactly the crisp, refreshing. Exactly. Yeah. It has a very, very stylish taste to it that you can pick out. And this Irish wheat tastes a lot like a Belgian wheat. And I don't know what makes it exactly an Irish wheat. Well, I, I, like I said, I think they just slapped that on there. Because like, oh, it's Guinness, so, you know. So it's Irish. And you know, it's technically made in Ireland. Because, you, you know, the people of Ireland are clamming, clamoring for a fucking... Yeah, I, wit, Irish... An Irish wit beer. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, I will say I'm shocked and surprised. Because, as we've talked about before, um, Guinness is selection outside of their normal fare. And by normal fare, I'd say their Guinness, extra, and foreign. Is very hit or miss. Yeah. Their black lager is an abomination. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just um, it mildly. The Nitro IPA is very underwhelming. The rye was okay. Yeah. Um, 
The other one that we... What, what, what's the... The Blonde. The Blonde. The Blonde is very mediocre. Yeah. Not bad, but it's very mediocre. Yeah. The When we had, like, those two different porters, the Dublin and West Indies. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was the West Indies one that was the better one. Yeah. And the Dublin one, not so much. Because the West Indies, like, the, I think... Like, I, and I could be mixing it up, but... One of them I remember being very good and, like, a great heavier porter. And the other one, like, this is... There's no point to this. So they're... When it comes to them doing new things, it, they're very hit or miss. They yeah. either do pretty good or they're very mediocre to not, not enjoyable at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually happy to say, because I am a whip beer fan, mm-hmm. Alma Gang's Hennepin's one of my favorite, favorite beers. Not just by them, but in general. It's not my favorite Alma Gang. My, Rare Boss is still my favorite. So enjoyable. <laughs> but, um... I will say, it's not bad. Yeah, I it think, a- and I think it actually captures a Belgian whip beer pretty, pretty good. I mean, you can tell it like in certain areas how it's a slightly off, but it's not bad. It's actually pretty good for the style and uh, refreshing. It. Yeah, they definitely get it right with. You know, what what it says on the bottle is pretty true. Um, zesty citrus, subtle clove, and banana notes. And I, that's pretty much exactly like what a Belgian-style wit would be. Uh, and, and good, we should say good banana notes. Good banana notes, yes. Not overpowering. Um, like your Hefeweizens. Right, exactly. Um, it's a very, like, subtle banana note. And certainly citrusy, like a summer style should be. And I think that it's very drinkable, which is another huge plus for, for Guinness. Like, it's not... In some of the other experimental Guinness beers that we've had, like, the the end result, the, the final, like, taste left in your mouth is kind of not not great. You know, you get, the, like, the, a... The Nitro IPA is one of them. Yeah, you get, like, a... Very, like, off-putting taste at the end. Yeah. And this is not so at all. This is very drinkable. Um, we've already put away almost six... Um, so, and, and that might be helped by the fact that we had our first non-rainy day in two months. True. Yeah. It was almost 80 degrees today. Um, but it's very, it's a very solid wet beer. And I think that that's probably the best thing that you can say for this is that it's really mesh, meshing with what it says it is. Cause that's, that happens a lot of times with the Guinness experimental beers is that it's not really the style that they're saying it is. Now, mm. tacking on that Irish part of the wheat. I got a question, you know, I, and I, again, I don't really know what an Irish style wheat is anyway. I, I, don't, I don't think don't. it's really a thing. No, so there's not like somebody out there that's going to be like, Hey, that's not, that's not really matching the Irish style wheat. Um, but it's certainly a very Belgian style wheat. And I think that's, it's, it's pretty good. I would drink this over a blue moon. Oh yeah. And absolutely. A, and at heart because blue moon is kind of like the filtered down, whittled down, uh, wheat that's very easy to drink for the random person who's not really looking for a lot of complex flavors within that beer. Um, and that's why a lot of times it's paired with an orange yeah, because they you want to look the fancy. citrus cut. Yeah, they want to look fancy. Like, look at me with my... Yeah. I'm not saying that Blue Moon is, so. is a bad beer to have or that I'm not sometimes just looking for a regular style Blue Moon and having a little orange with it and tasting that, you know, nice wheat and orange citrus flavor. But at the same time, there's a lot more complexity to a Belgian style wheat that you get those banana notes. You get a little bit of clove and it's and it, it's a little more complex. And, and that's why Almagang's so great. That's right. Being a Belgian style brewer, you know. 
You can own owned by you know Duval Morton guy. They you know they yeah. they get it. That's why I love them. And you when get you, you get to experience all that. But that being said, I will say this is you know because to be honest with you, outside of all the gang, at least around here, not a lot of Belgian styles. Yeah, and that breaks my heart. Yeah, it's um, you know it it's. I like it, and I would say, like you said, you probably wouldn't get it again. You'd probably just swing for an Amagang, because they're it's about the same, the same price. Same price point. And, about, so. and at the same time, like, I gotta say that Amagang does it slightly better, but... But they are a Belgian brewer, so. But they are, yeah, they are a Belgian brewer. They get their, their uh, all their ingredients straight from Belgium, and whatever they can source from local, which isn't that much, honestly, because there's not a lot of people around here that are growing Belgian-style... They don't have no. I think Pops and stuff no, like that. out because they're based out in Cooperstown, as we all know, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. They have a hop garden behind Doubleday Field. Yeah. So I mean, you're you're wrong. I, I hope I literally hope somebody goes down to Cooperstown now and looks for the hop garden behind. <laughs> but I've got a toast Guinness because they did a pretty good job with this, and I think that's you know. It's probably one of their best experimental beers that they have out. It's probably my second favorite. Yeah. Um. You know, I lied. No, it's my favorite. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking of the, ex- I'm trying to think of the experimental ones. And I, the one I was thinking that was above it, it's not an experimental one. It's just like a, just their foreign stout. No, not that. I was thinking no. of the West Indies port. Oh, the West. Yeah, yeah, that one is really good too. But that's like an what? old style. It's not even yeah, really no, an no, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like for so for this, like I would say the experimentals would be this, the Black Lager. Uh, yeah, the, they're the blonde. Ma- the American blonde. The nitro, the rye, yeah, and no, I I would say this, and is I the, think the Irish wheat is probably the best of those, yeah, by yeah. far. Seriously, very good, and I, I yeah, I would encourage everybody to check it out if you're interested. You know, at first, you, you know, you were thinking this was not going to be like a promising, not at all, beer to have on the show. Just just doing it because we've done all the other ones, and we might as well check it out. Well, that's how I, no, that's how it will because. I I am not as big. I used to be a pretty big Guinness fan. Mm-hmm. They used to be one, of, not my favorite brewer, but they used to be up there. Like as like, I like ah, uh, you know, a nice Guinness at a pub with you know some wings or something, like yeah. a delicious treat. And just like I, I'm not trying to sound snobby, but just like as I've you know grown a little older, it's just the the mystique has been totally worn off. I I'm not exact. I I think a decline in the product quality. Has been part of it, yeah. Um, but it's just not, they don't do it for as much for me as they used to. No, I agree. Um, especially with the experimental ones, because the first one was the black lager. I remember trying that enthusiastically and being so disappointed and so like angry about it. And it also has to do with just having better style stouts and you know ex- trying new things and finding. Yeah, there are people that do it better. Because they put a lot of time into it, they're they haven't grown up so much where they, it's kind of a process at that point mm-hmm. where it's just like pump it out, pump it out, pump it out. It it, it shows when yeah. when you have it. So I think that's probably a, a part of that as well. One thing I do want to point out before we kind of end the beer talk is that we are still looking for some of the other Guinness um, or not Guinness. I'm sorry, now I'm getting caught up. Jenny, Genesee. Um, batch the pilot batch series which we have not had on the show yet like that the hellas bach yes the hellas bach i'll try i'll try to next week i'll try to get it there's a place an hour away that's got it well yeah that but i'm saying if anybody has them around you know 
let us know. You, we, you could send them to us. It, you know, we'd, we'd obviously give you a shout out and, and stuff think, on and the I show. And I think we got the Smash there too, which is the one, one of the ones I really wanted to try. Is their single mall, you yeah, know, single hop ale. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's we we try to do most of them, and we try to do it in a series too. You know, we try to do as many of these local breweries and stuff as possible, so that there's kind of like a compilation of of what we've done on the show. Yeah. But no, I like I said, I'll try. I'm, I'll try to go if it's nice out next week. I'll go into it. But yeah, yeah. but I, I don't. That's the thing, though. I don't kind of understand how like some of the pilot batches get released around here, then others don't. Yeah, I don't know why. And yeah, we're only two, we're two and a half, three hours away from Rochester. So yeah. I, I don't. We're, we're right in their wheelhouse. Yeah, I'm definitely. So I, I don't. So I don't get it. I, I, I the only thing I think of is just people around here that sell stuff. They're like. Okay, that's the that's the main one. Like you're pushing. Yeah. Well, okay, we'll get that. Yeah. And we won't pick up the other one. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. I want to try that new Hellas box. That sounds good. Sounds different, and I'm I'm interested and I'm intrigued. And I hope that they bring back that Oktoberfest again this year. Oh, I do too. Yeah. I that was that was delightful. That was great. We'll have that on the show again, just because. Just like we're doing Oktoberfest again. I. You know <laughs> what? I'm pretty sure that that's gonna become like. A staple point, of like your, like like, the, like this the Bach, yeah. But at the same time, everybody loves Twelve Horse Ale, true. And, and they it's haven't, gone. and they yeah, haven't done it? it in like four years. No, we haven't done it on the show either. And I love, I do, I love Twelve what about Horse Fife and Drum. That that was that was that's a, never been a, you know, a big I, thing from them. But. No, I wish I still, I wish I still ha- kept my Fife and Drum summer beer and like the. The the bottle because I, I had the bottles from, then I got rid of them because I'm like I don't need space. I don't have yeah. Space. Now I wish I'm like I wish I kept them. No, I don't. I don't know why they just don't do it. Like I guess again, especially with the twelve horse. Yeah, there are people I see it's a popular people, one. I see people all the time on Facebook like, why don't you make twelve horse ale anymore? Mm. They may make. They used to make that like since like the 30s. So it's like. Well, it's probably because they just have no room to make it now that they're doing other You stuff. can make twelve horse ale over Jenny Light or Jenny Ice. True. True. Cut one of those out. You could get rid of Jenny Ice. When's, have you ever seen a 12-pack of Jenny Ice around no, here? No, no. you only see... Or a 30-pack. You only see Jenny Ice and a tall boy. Yeah. Why? Because it's a nice beer. So it's inherently garbage. It's true. All right, we got a lot to talk about for Wonder Woman. So um, we're going to take a break. We're going to hear from another one of our uh, fellow podcast members in the Ace Podcast Network. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some Wonder Woman and about the pros and cons of that film. There are cons. <laughs> I know you're joking. Welcome to Confession Radio, the show where people write in for advice. My name's Piers Ray. My name is Eric Ivanovich. My name is Bruce Wozniak. My name is Lenny Zuckerman. My name is Dr. Latrice Drain. My name is Dr. John McGrail. And my name is David Allen, creator and host of Confession Radio. Here at Confession Radio, we love to help other people. As you heard, some of the awesome elite team that we have that are willing to help you with your problems. Don't forget to visit the website, confessionradio.net. You can hear us on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And also, we are featured on iHeartRadio. So stay tuned, because here comes Confession Radio. Confession Radio is for entertainment purposes only. All right, before we get into Wonder Woman, though, I want to take a moment to give a shout-out to somebody who's been... Uh, really uh, appreciating our work and we are really appreciative back because it's not often that we get like a lot of uh, uh, 
commentary about what we do. So it's nice to hear back from people and find out how people are enjoying the show because it's kind of like we're talking into the ether and we don't know what's happening, you know, if, if anybody's listening to us. So, well, that's the internet. So That's right. Yeah, you never know, really. But uh, we just want to thank Jay Movie Talk Podcast. Um, he's at Jay Movie Talk on Twitter. Um, has been giving us some shout-outs lately. Um, one a really nice shout-out that he gave us uh, the other day uh, was basically um, just appreciating our work. And uh, he said, um, I've listened to a few of your episodes and really enjoy the show. And we are really – we love hearing that. We really do. That – not that people are like, wow, the Blood and Black Rum podcast is so great, but just that they like listening to us because that's why we do it. And, you know, we're not here to just talk to ourselves, although that is what we do most of the time. Um, so really, though, thank you, J Movie Talk Podcast, uh, for listening and to letting us know that you really like the show. Um, we really appreciate that and we love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, definitely check out J Movie Talk Podcast as well because... Um, he's in the same wheelhouse. That's right. He's in the same wheelhouse. We need, we need to stick together as, as podcasters and we definitely want to promote him as well. So thanks a lot. All right. Now on to our show. <laughs> um, I need an announcer or something. Some guys like coming to you from what about Mayfield, like, New York. Have like Bob Shepard. Yeah. Number two. That's right. Ryan Barber. And I need something. I need Number something two. like that. I can't do all of the, the voice work. If I was, I'd have to like go and edit it down and like make it, make it like deeper or oh, make it, you know. Oh, I'd have to work. Yeah, I would. Aww. Yeah, I would. No, I Whoa. need somebody to just do what it a, for me. What a goddamn shame. That's right. All right, so Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Um, no Linda Carter. Why no cameo? There is no Linda Carter cameo, but there is a thank you to her at the end of the film. Oh, and that probably means- we should say this right now. People listening, wondering about Wonder Woman, don't stick around for the credits. You don't have to. There are no yeah. post-credit scenes, which is pretty surprising to me because I was thinking well, okay. Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 2 already outdid themselves with like four end credit scenes. So I was thinking like Wonder Woman would come back and be like, well, we got to do one extra. I don't well, I don't remember Man of Steel having one, but Batman v Superman did and so did uh, Suicide Squad. It's kind of the uh, de rigueur now. Yeah. Well, no, it ma- like I said, it makes sense because these are the modern day serials. Yeah, so it makes so you sense. You want like kind of that ending part of like to tune say- in next time. Yeah, like previously on Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, exactly. Goku sat and shat for ten, twenty minutes, powering up as Krillin sat there in awe, he- and Frieza trembled in fear. Tune in next episode. Yeah. That no, that's what these Goku are- popped in enema. <laughs> So, no, it's what they are like, but I mean... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I mean, but no, it make, it, make, it does make sense, though. What one, because it's a good way to connect to the next film. Not necessarily has to be like a... Like a a like, direct connection. But it doesn't it, need to be like... But it segues into the idea. Yeah. And the... Not in the future where this is going. Yeah. It makes sense. No, in these films, it totally makes sense to do that. Why I didn't do this with this... Very surprising. I was. Totally, I don't know. You know. I was totally expecting it. I mean, I don't know. The only thing you can guess is because this is a flashback film. Yeah, maybe. So they, they. I mean, there's no point in having like Bruce show up to like at w- where Wonder Woman is and be like, "Are you ready?" After I found that picture for you, you ready to form the Justice League? 
Well, I mean, I could totally see I gotta that. make a better film than my brother, damn it. He was nominated for several Oscars again. I could totally see him showing up just so that she could thank him or something and, and have, like, a little discussion about what's going on why? in the rest of the universe. That would make no... Well, why at this point would Wonder Woman thank him? She wanted the picture. She's fucking Wonder Woman. She wanted to see it again. Who is he? He's fucking Bruce Wayne at this point. Yeah, I know. What is Bat... So far in this universe, what has Batman done that's like, well, wow. You know, that the god that people make Batman to be out to. Wonder Woman should be like, I'm fucking Wonder Woman. True. Amazonian. Especially now, a hundred years, essentially a hundred years living with man. It's not like a hundred years in, she's still like, people are good. She's probably jaded. By, jaded. I was thinking that. Sitting I was at, wondering how sitting, she was. Sitting, sitting at her museum desk, smoking a cigarette like. I should have just stayed out of the yeah, mascara. I, t- honestly, I'm I'm wondering how she responded to 9-11. Because... We had to go there. Well, I'm just... I was, I was sitting in the theater thinking about that. Because this is how she responds to World War One. okay? She's like... World War One. This is... Okay. This is my piss off some people. Uh, so this is, this is going to be a hot take. World War One little bit bigger of an issue than 9-11. True. Granted, the means started the war slightly more minuscule. Yeah, but I mean... But, but at the same time, the overall... I mean... I'm just I, thinking in terms of this was her first experience with man. And so I was just wondering, like, now that she's had, you know, 100 years to ponder and live within the times, when 9-11 occurs, is she just like... Fuck those terrorist bastards. They're not good. They're just... I hate them. I hate those people. Like everybody else. <laughs> or is she like, they still have the capacity for good in them. And That's, it's just Ares coming back again. Isn't that the crux of the film? Yeah. Well, alright, let's talk about the film itself. Because we're getting kind of off topic. And I don't want to talk about Batman v Superman anymore. We've already beaten that horse like five times in different episodes. So we don't need to talk well, about it yet again. If the horse doesn't die, you can beat it some more. That's right. But, it's the uh, same thing with Suicide Squad. All right, so so Wonder Woman is a origin. It's an origin story, really. It's it the beginning of it. The opening takes place after the events of Batman v Superman, obviously, because we see the photograph that Bruce Wayne has found of Wonder Woman. How he knows that she's Wonder Woman, and she's she's kind of reminiscing. She's reminiscing, and that's the, the whole... Ah, the good old days of when man was slaughtering each other <laughs> with gas and machine guns and not nuclear weapons. Yeah, that's and... true, yeah. <laughs> but that's... <laughs> just, just imagine her sitting like, the good old days. But, I mean, basically, that's the framing story, right? Is that yeah. she's just kind of sitting there thinking about what happened and, and what how she came to be Wonder Woman in the 21st century. And I think that, you know, for the most part, the framing story is kind of unnecessary. I mean, we don't really need to see it. The only reason that it's there is because it's linked to Batman v Superman. In no other way does this really need to be framed. Well, I'll give it a pass. I think, I'm not saying it has to be framed. I think, though, it works better, though. I think if you just jump into a a Wonder Woman origin story, it wouldn't work because the whole fact is the the whole crux of well not the whole crux of the film but the whole concept is is tied to this continuing universe. Yeah, no. So like I, I said, as a, as a film serial, it has to connect to the to the previous incarnation. Otherwise, if you went from Batman v Superman's ending to now, okay, here's the next film in the canon, and it's just like 
Now we're back in 1918. Yeah. People will probably be like, well, what the fuck? Well, I think that I'm. what I'm saying is that there's no, besides that photograph, there's no other connection. So it's kind no, of no, a, and, and it's, it's literally three minutes of the film that whole, totally connects. Yeah, it's kind of a, almost like it was added late or or as an afterthought. It was like, well, we need to give it some sort of connection to Batman v Superman. So just th- because otherwise, this could have happened anywhere in the canon. Like like we said before, it didn't have to happen after Batman v Superman. It could have happened before Batman v Superman. You really don't. It it doesn't matter where it occurs. In could the have been the first film in the whole fucking it's, exactly, and it doesn't matter. Where it stands, except for those those framing moments, which I would have I would have liked to have seen it pushed a little bit further as to why exactly we're getting this now and why and how it fits within that universe. Besides the fact that she just sees a photograph and thinks about it, well, it's happening because Bruce knows that she's a superhuman now. So yeah, and but now that now that he's looking for other superhumans, I don't think it which, excuses. But at the, the same time, that's like so poorly covered in the theatrical cut of Batman v Superman like the whole him you know stumbling across files of like yeah. Cyborg and Flash and it's almost like who gives a shit so yeah. that, that that connection that's supposed to be there is like well nobody I, well, at least I didn't give a shit cause it's like well, it's so like haphazardly slapped on and Batman v Superman it's like you know, you know whatever. yeah I don't think well, it excuses the fact that this framing is very like lazy. nonchalant and lazy but at the same time, I gotta say that once it really did get into, once Wonder Woman got into the whole origin story of Wonder Woman of Diana Prince, I was pretty intrigued. I think that the opening sequence start the or the opening part starting out with Diana Prince growing up in this Amazonian female oriented society works pretty well. Little overly long, um, but at the same time, very beautifully shot. I will give it that. Patty Jenkins, as the director, has a really nice eye for those those uh, vistas. CGI backgrounds. CGI backgrounds, but it still <laughs> looks pretty good. It still looks pretty good. And it's probably, um, if we're talking CGI, it's one of Wonder Woman's better moments. Because it's... Themyscira, no, I, no, you're right. Themyscira does look like a paradise. Yeah, it does. And I don't think it looks like a... Totally unrealistic version of one. No, it looks like something you could see like in the Fiji Islands. Or, like, yeah, know. exactly. So I think that they did a pretty good job with that. And it definitely encompasses like the juxtaposition between here's this paradise. And you're going into this world of humanity where it fucking sucks. And everything is dark and Zack Snyder-y. And, <laughs> and, uh, the Industrial Revolution was caused by Zack Snyder. Basically. <laughs> Zack Snyder's need for graying environments. No, we... No, contrast. Okay, contrast is in the middle. You need a five thousand clicks to the left. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I mean, but it, I think it does give good contrast. And as part of the CGI for not only Wonder Woman but all of the DC films so far, it's probably the best. It's it's probably the best example of how to do the CGI correctly. That's sad. <laughs> That's sad. I think that the <coughs> opening mar- parts of like Diana Prince growing up in this uh, totally female-oriented society, a little bit overly long. We didn't really need to see all of those elements played out oh, her, of, tra- of like- her training and the you know Antiope being very against her training because what does it really accomplish towards the end of the when she's leaving that island? It doesn't really do the whole lot and. 
as at at was two also, hours. I was saying, and, and Typey's not her mother. That's Hippolyta's her mother. And yes, Typey's exactly. The the, the, her, the warrior that ends up going against Hippolyta's word, and it's her aunt. I think really is is the technical jargon for family member. She was made out of clay. Yeah, but um, I think that really that that whole sequence is real is too long, and with Wonder Woman being two hours and twenty one minutes already. That's a lot of time to spend on Wonder Woman's backstory before we even get into her being an it's adult. Like, it's and like 30, 35 minutes Yeah, long. exactly. Yeah. It's, it's pretty long. It's pretty... And it's it's not really something that we need to be seeing. It's... it's Especially now... Okay, like, I, like if this is the 80s where comic books are still a very niche thing, and I mean very niche, it makes sense to, like, if you wanted to, like, if you're going to do, like, a film this long, to, like, go that in-depth. Mm-hmm. It's 2017 now. We Pe- could- people are... People may not be buying comics left and right. People are pretty ingrained in the mythos of comics now. True. Like, if, like with, so when they do the new Batman film, if it's, like, three hours long, and they spent 30 minutes, like, building up to Bruce... Like, this is how Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. I'm gonna be fucking pissed. Yeah. And irate. Because, like, everybody in America knows how Batman... How Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. It's not a secret. Yeah. It's literally like Greek mythology at this point. Yeah. We know. We know! So, I mean, like, at the same time, no, Wonder Woman's not as big as Batman or Superman. She's part of the big three. It's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how much, like, people know so much about Wonder Woman's backstory, but I think we could have used a montage edit. (laughs) <laughs> for a lot of it I don't know if it needed to be that long I mean I'm not saying that like this part, the whole extension this hinders the film greatly it does it's a very this is like a minor nitpick but at the same time like again it's 2017 right we have the internet most people especially the people that go to see these young people like younger people they know most of this stuff whether they read the comics or not they know it's like you like and at this point. There's no need to ever like, in like having like if you're if you're doing an origin story, like going so deep into the or actual like or like the the manifestation part at least. Like the fact this is an origin story doesn't mean it's a, hampers it. It's because you can always change an origin story. Yeah, but the manifestation of her. As a character is still the same. Yeah. So you don't need to, like, expound upon that. It's the same thing with, like... And, you know, how to start with Batman v Superman. It starts off with how seeing Bruce Wayne's parents get killed. It's like, oh my... Everybody at this point knows how Tom and Martha Wayne gets killed. Right. You right. don't need... You fucking don't need that. Yeah, I mean, I think that with Wonder Woman... Like, it's not a huge issue. But at the same time, Wonder Woman does end up being overly long. It feels overly long. At two hours and 21 minutes, it, it suffers from a lot of the same issues that uh, other superhero movies have, is that they just expend so much time on things that really don't need to be so uh, elaborated on. And, you know, it's not it's not just a problem inherent to Wonder Woman, but it's, it's pretty much across the board. But at the same time, I think that it wastes a lot of time on that scenario. And Wonder Woman's, one of Wonder Woman's biggest flaws is really that it is very uneven. There are a lot of moments where action scenes are pretty good. It's moving along at a fast clip. 
in terms of and, yeah exciting yeah. in terms of like storyline and plot and then all of a sudden you hit like a <laughs> wall there's a wall and it's like wow now this is very slow and very laborious getting to london total yeah just slammed into a wall yeah exactly i will say kind of going back to the backstory real quick i will give him credit though on elaborate the one part i will give him credit on elaborating is aries because yeah. as popular and as well known as wonder woman is her rogues gallery not very well known. i don't know it at all yeah nope aries so. is one of the big ones so the fact that they kind of expounded upon that yeah. if you don't remember your greek mythology that's that's good. So I mean, and actually a pretty good uh like artistic take on the whole mythology too. That mesh that meshes with like art and sort of the Greek uh art artistry of pictographs and things like that. Yeah. They kind of I, I like that part of it. And in giving Ares that sort of backstory, um it does work and it it's important to the story in the film. So he's the villain. Yeah, exactly. Um but what I will say, like we said before, is that Wonder Woman is very uneven. It it has a lot of scenes where you know things are moving along very quickly. We're getting to World War One. Uh, we know, you know, we've met Chris Pine's character, um, Steve Smart, Trevor, smarmy asshole. That man. <laughs> or they should have just named him Chris Pine. Just have Chris Pine like be like I'm Chris Pine. I was sent from the future to yeah. the past. Yeah. Just be a douchebag. Yeah, I mean, I think all of that, you know, is moving along pretty quickly. But then, yes, you're right. You get to you get to going to London, and you're kind of at a standstill. And one of the big things with the film's non-action moments is that its script isn't written very well. I I won't say you know super well, but it's it's not that great. Um, I think that a lot of the problem is that. The levity, the light-hearted moments are just not funny. Even though they're supposed to be jokes, they're written in a, in a style that is sort of Marvel-esque in that you're supposed to find these things funny. Like uh, Chris Pine's character is kind of uh, uh, sarcastic and almost, uh, almost like, I don't want to say misogynistic, but certainly... Um, experienced the norms of being male (laughs) um when they try to circumvent those things or um make steve realize like oh wow diane is really strong and you know i guess i even though i'm masculine i'm the weak part of of this team i don't think those jokes really land they're not funny even though there were some forced laugh in the audience that we were in there was were, it forced laughter? It wasn't forced and laughter. Was, I think it was actually more like uh, middle-aged people who were just, I don't know, kind of goofy. I thought they were just, I thought they were guffawing pretty. I guess. I mean, I mean I'm not saying, I'm not saying I thought it was fun. I, no, I didn't think like the humor, because like, especially Chris Pine's line were very stereotypical, like Chris Pine lines, like, I, like when they're talking about like when he's naked in the bath and she walks up and he's like, oh, would you say you're average for your sex and he's like no i'd say i'm above average and it's like get it because he's got six-pack abs and he's superly chiseled and handsome oh and he's got a bigger dick apparently you don't see it but i mean like you get it wink wink nudge nudge like yes chris pine 
We know you're, we don't have to have you say that. We know you're above average. Not many people, even if they worked in steel mills for 12 hours a day, are leaving the steel mill with six-pack abs because yeah. they're malnourished. Yeah. And in, no, yes, in, 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 Amer- eight, eight, in the 1918 world. So, yes, you're above average. Yeah. Somehow I, you kept a well-kept diet and a... Yeah, protein-rich diet, and <laughs> you've been hitting gym quite a bit. Yeah, right? so... No, but I, I think that... But, but you're supposed to take it like, oh, it's, you know... You're supposed to take it, oh, he means his dick. Yeah. He's saying he's got an above average dick, but at the same time, I'm looking at, like, of course you're above average, asshole. And, per- and <laughs> perhaps he's trying to be sort of like, deg- you know, thinking he's embarrassed of himself and he's saying, like, well, it's not really above average, but I'm going to tell her it is because she doesn't, ha- she's never it, seen it. She doesn't before. know. Yeah. But, I mean. She's a woman. How would she know? How, yeah. How yeah. would she know these things? She's supposed to be a virgin until. <laughs> I screw her on her wedding day, so. But, no, I, I don't think that, for all the good things that Chris Pine does in the film, and I think he's 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 a fairly stereotypical male hero in this film, I think that his delivery for humor is really off. And I don't, I don't think it's so much that, I think in this film he's supposed to not be, like, um... I don't know, like, he's a, he's sarcastic and everything, but... You're supposed to be awkward. You're, yeah, he's supposed to be awkward, but I just don't buy the delivery. I think it's very... It's it's kind of cringy, almost, in some scenes. It's in the same sense as, like, in Suicide Squad, that was trying to... Overreaching to be funny in its one-liners. The only ones that really succeeded were, like, Will Smith's, because he can deliver those. But... Well, 30 you know, years into his career, he better... That's right. But, at, but, I mean, at the same time, I I feel like this is this, a similar style of humor. And if you don't really find it that funny, and I don't. I didn't, I didn't think Suicide Squad was funny, and I don't really think Wonder Woman's funny. You're not going to like that. And I think that it's probably Wonder Woman's worst qualities is when it's trying really hard to be funny, and it's just not. It's not succeeding. No, I didn't really think it was fun, like, humorous. I, like, even, like, the whole, like, when she, like... Uh, Wonder Woman's like, how am I supposed to fight in this? And the woman's like, oh, fight? What do you mean fight? Oh, yeah. With a nice These are feminine wilds instead. Yeah, oh, oh. oh like, oh, like, oh, I like her. Like, oh, is she here? You know, yeah. like, I, I she's, she's cheeky. It's forced <laughs> and it's juvenile, I think. And I think that the, the biggest thing is that it's very, I, I have it's, both. You well, can't no, have a no, very, no. very serious film about fighting in World War One, people dying, um, entrenched warfare, and then try to have a very juvenile joke dropped in there in between. If you're gonna go for jokes, go a little bit darker. Go a little bit more black humor. Yeah, black humor. It's fucking World War One wasn't fun. No one was having fun there. No one, even though Chris Pine's character at one point when when uh, Diana asks, "What do people do when they're not at war?" He replies, "Well, you know, they get up, they eat some good breakfast, they go to work." work. Well, no, and no one was getting up and thinking, "I would really love to go to work today and fucking work my ass off and perhaps die because I caught on fire in the mill." <laughs> no one was thinking that in World War One era, like 1918. No one was like, "Oh, I wish the war was over so I could just get back to work, get my hand cut off." It wasn't a thing, so I don't like that part of it. I wish they would go a little bit darker with the jokes, because it's just not... It doesn't mesh very well. What, well. What, what a great... That'd be great. It's like, well, would I rather be fighting in a trench, or would I rather be down in Panama digging out the Panama Canal and getting, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and getting right? yellow fever? Yeah. Mm, decisions. I, I don't know. No, um... 
No, no, you're right. I think I will give it credit for trying to have some levity. Yeah, yeah, and it the film does the film isn't just like have a few moments. It does try to be humorous throughout. Yeah, um, and I'll give it credit for that because again, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman are total. There's no humor to be found here except for Lawrence Fishburne, none whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'll give it credit for that, but at the same time, I think, I think the jokes are very. You're poorly written. Poorly written and poorly delivered mm-hmm. and just very, like, b- bare minimum ever. Like, you know how, like, so, like kind of get political. Kind of how people are like, this is a great, like, feminist film for, like, the strong characters. Like, people probably saw, like, the trailer of, like, the chick, like, oh, she's like, how can I fight in this? I like her. She's got spunk. Like, Brilliant! What a great commentary on... Women's right. It's no. It's supposed to be this le- like levity mo. You're reading too much into it. It's not. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. So I mean, like, th- th- that's how it comes across. Like, yeah. It's I like mean, they're supposed to come across like, wow. Like, what smart women can say s- smart, funny things too. It's like, well, no shit. You don't need a movie to tell you that. Yeah. And if you're offended either way. Either side, if you're offended, like, oh, witness trying to say women are hunk or you're trying to say the other opposite argument of, like, yeah, men are just, blah, 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 blah. kind of like how your sister's, like, was saying, like, oh, you know, men are pissed off because, uh, because, uh, women, there are a group of women who say only women should be able to view the screening because it's Wonder Woman for women. So them being pissed off about them wanting to do that, it's fucking stupid. Grow up. Be an adult. Yeah. Same side with women do that. Grow up. It's a fucking movie. Grow up. And not only that, this is it's not like, this is not Lawrence of Arabia. There is no great statement to be had here. It's a fucking summer blockbuster action film. Yeah, I mean, I think there, that... There, there might be some subtle undertones. It's not, you're not gonna ever walk away from any of these films going like, I found a new meaning on life. I mean, I think I the the biggest thing with Wonder Woman that's empowering the females is that Gal Gadot is so good is good in it is very good in it, and she's probably it's it's empowering that she's able and and the film lets her lead it for the most part that it doesn't really need a male masculine presence even though they do work in a romance between Diana and Steve but that's out of the comics so it's not really like a a thing that was done for the film itself but at the same time that they let Diana lead the film and Chris Pine's character is kind of an afterthought almost but that's that, I mean that's probably Well that's how it's thing. supposed to be exactly. it's a, it's a, it's Wonder Woman, not the Steve Trevor film. Well, but it's not come to be expected. Even though, even though it's a film about Wonder Woman, the expectation oftentimes is that well, Wonder Woman's there, but there's also a guy that's along with along with her that's pretty much leading right alongside her. I and think I, I, th- I think I that think Wonder I, Woman does that well. I, I think at this point in where we are, if that's the case that this film came out with, people would be pissed off. Exactly. I hope, be- not, I hope not so. even on the point of like. 
women's like wi- like a women's rights issue. It'd be you're bastardizing the character of woman true. Wonder Woman. True. It'd be a more of a nerd rage than a political outrage. True. I so agree. so I I'm not gonna give the film credit for doing its due diligence and making a film uh, that's called Wonder Woman about fucking Wonder Woman. True. True. So I'm 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 not no I'm not gonna I won't give it that. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, understand that. But I I think that it is. Gal Gadot is pretty good. Is really good in it. I, I she's the best part. She's I the think. best part. Of I it, think. I, mean. I think she as I think she's spot on cast as Wonder Woman. She's she looks the role. Yep. She has you know because if you think about it, she she does have very su you know female Superman qualities. That's you know kind, noble. Though not, I guess not so much in the, in the Snyder verse because Henry Cavill's just ah, you know, yeah yeah you know look at me you know but I mean her character is essentially like a female Clark Kent like right. kind good noble yeah. and I th- and I think she does it well not only that I think she portrays the night Tivity very well yeah and not because she's a woman it's the fact that she's been sheltered from mankind. You know, that she's lived on Themyscira. She's been kept away from True. mankind. She was led to believe that, you know, from the stories that she heard as a child, that, no, mankind's not bad. They were just corrupted by Ares. They have, really, if Ares wasn't around, you know, everything would be flowers and frolicking. And then when she finally gets to the world, a man finds out, no, we are pretty shitty. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, we're, we're terrible, even though Ares' presence may not be there. And we'll talk about that. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to get into the theme yeah. yet because um, there's more to talk about than that. I want to stick to some of the things that we did we liked about the film. Um, another thing that I thought was pretty good is is the uh, representation of World War One for the most part is pretty pretty on. I mean, I think that it there's some bad CGI. Uh, basically, any no man's land scene is got some bad CGI. Uh, with it and it's not very um realistic but i think for the most part any of the scenes that you see like plain flyovers and things like that pretty representative of what you've seen of world war one it almost feels like it's right out of battlefield one well that's that wouldn't be a good representation of world yeah war. i will say it captures the feel of like a battlefield it does. one world war one yeah it does it looks like they saw the trailer and like oh we're gonna have all this and that's what they did i'm not gonna damn it for that because i mean I think if you if you really know World War One, it's not going to be an exciting thing to kind of capture. Like, okay, first there's artillery barrages for two weeks, and yeah. once the barrage is done, then they kind of go over the trench line. Get, no, no, get I don't. Three feet, blow back, and then I don't sit think and, they need a realistic depiction of how the war was fought. But I think that for what they show of the war, of what we see of what it looked like in in that time period, I think it does it, it does pretty well, and it does its service. Um, especially considering that most of Wonder Woman in the comics is actually World War II. And it's probably changed for the most part because they didn't want it to look like Captain America as a woman. Mm. Because that's pretty much what Wonder Woman is when it boils down to it. With a shield and fighting in World War II. She it's Cap- It's Captain America with, with a... I can't, remember if, woman she's, I can't remember if she's before or after. Well, I mean, for, in this case, it doesn't really matter because uh, contemporary the, audience yeah, no. are going to see it as, oh, Captain America came out way before. He's got mm. like three sequels. Uh, this is Captain America with a yeah. woman. 
Um, so I think that, that I was think, probably... Well, I a, think what World War One also works well, too, because it's 100-year anniversary, like, coming up of, like, the ending. Oh, like, next year would be the 100th anniversary of the Armistice signing, and, uh... Yeah. Um, it it, was in Battlefield 1 and all that. So, no, that I think that it makes sense for them to change it for so, that. Yeah, to be honest, it really doesn't matter what war it is. It, do, it doesn't could matter. Have, could have been the, the, you know, the Napoleonic... That would have been great. Her showing up in the Napoleonic Wars and, yeah. like, line infantry battles. Like, why are we all just marching here to get shot at? This is stupid. Like, no, no, it makes sense. We fire a shit ton of lead, then they fire a shit ton of lead, and then we kind of just do that for a while, and then once enough gets whittled down, you charge. Maybe have the cavalry come in from the... It's very scripted. It's, be- it's absolutely be- beautiful. Yeah. But, well... Before we get into, like, what the flaws of the film are, what else did you like about Wonder Woman? Or did we basically talk about what you liked about Wonder Woman? Okay. I like Gal Gadot. Yeah. I I mean, I like Gal Gadot. I liked liked the fact that it was not a total bore. Yes. And I I do think that we have to... And the fact... And this this is the thing we brought up when we were watching at the very end, watching the credits. We both said it's very sad that you can be like, what's one of the compliments in the film? Ella has a beginning, has rising action, climax, and falling action and conclusion. It's very followable. It actually has a story that you can follow along and... And make sense. And has the main parts of what a narrative would have. Yeah. I think, you know, considering, like, what we got with Suicide Squad, which was pretty much just an edited mess together, this is a huge step up in terms of storytelling. Yeah. Um, I will say the direction of this film is by far the best. Yeah. It's the film, for the most part, looks good, except for the ending. Yep. I'm not going to even blame that on the director because I think that's just the staple of fucking DC films at this point where yeah. it comes to the end fight scene. They have to have it on a fucking tarmac in the dark we'll t- with no lights and it's gray. And we'll, just talk, we'll talk about that in the flaws. but Total clusterfuck. But I mean, I think for the most part, this is a very well shot film. In spite of all the CGI, even like the very good CGI. Um... um and that, that's, that's probably yeah. It's watchable. I I think the I think the fact that the story is coherent makes sense, though not perfect, but does have like a thought and then continues to go with it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that that's literally what holds this film together. If this film's story was like two beats off to the left and somehow gets like like wait what's going on, totally would ruin this. I think any flaw in the pace of the, in the actual storytelling of this film would totally ruin it. Yeah, it I would mean, make it just like every other DC film. So you could be at the end saying, like, "Well, Gal Gadot was good as a Wonder Woman." You'd be like, "Well, it doesn't fucking matter." Yeah. Just like at the end of Batman v Superman, it's like, "Wow, nobody expected Ben Affleck to be a good Batman except fucking Kevin Smith." Yeah. Because I sure as shit did it, and I left the film like, "What's the positives of the film?" Well, Ben Affleck was actually good as Batman. Other than that, it's garbage. So that's how this film would be. If the, if they fucked the story up just the slightest bit, you would end up leaving like, oh, Gal Gadot actually was not bad. That was a good casting as Wonder Woman. Too bad the film sucked. Yeah. Well, I think that that's probably... That's what puts it in the Marvel scope of like being a low, 
lower-end Marvel film is that it has a coherent storyline, it has an origin story for its character, and you depend depending on how much you see into the flaws of the film, it's still a watchable film that you can moderately enjoy. Even if you're talking about all of the issues with it, CGI and everything else that we're going to talk about in a minute, um, it's still a watchable film. Whereas I don't really consider Suicide Squad a watchable film. No, it's not. It's not. And Batman v Superman it's is not. a is the yawn of justice. It's very <laughs> it's very boring. It's 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 far far more boring than Wonder Woman in its slowest parts. So again, those are all good qualities. Wonder Woman seems like they learned something. Patty Jenkins, congratulations. You're the best director of DC so far, and we do hope, ju- you know... Please do justice. Exactly. Please, oh. <laughs> or please, you know, at least sign on for multiple Wonder Woman sequels, because we don't want anyone else, you know, fucking with the storyline. Um, with that said, <laughs> we did have quite a few flaws that we picked out with Wonder Woman. It does have a lot of issues within the film itself. We talked about one of them very overly long. Just, just completely too long in a lot of aspects. Um, extended moments, too many characters that don't really make a difference whatsoever. The goddamn Scotsman, who's the shaky shot, because he, because he's he's been through war, man. Yeah, he's been through war, and he's just not the same. He he goes off, and but then, but even though he's crippled by war, in the downtime, he's singing. Yeah, showing that he's human. It's absolutely. Not necessary to have it's all like, of those characters. It's like Jesus Christ has this not been done to death. Exactly. Um, <laughs> both Ludendorff and Doctor Psycho, or Doctor Maru, however you want to refer to her, um, really not necessary either. Besides the fact that they are stand-ins for the generic bad people Germans that are. And it's not even, the war. Not, and they're not even, they're not. It's not even Nazis, yet they're portraying them like they're fucking Nazis. Yeah. It's, um, like, Danny Houston is super underused, because he's a very good actor in general, and he does not get any chance to shine whatsoever, and actually, just what they total... do use of him is just, like, be generic bad guy German, please. You know, yeah. and, and Danny probably was like, well, are you sure you don't want me to have, like, some sort of personality or something? No, just, no. like, cackle maniacally so, all some, the time. So, some complex reason for... What you know? Why I want the? It's it's not even why Germany needs to win the war. No, there's like, no like why do the why do why does Germany have to beat Britain and France? And no, it's just like we've it, it's this very stereotypical. If we just do this one damn thing, we'll win the war. No, buddy, the war is over. No, no, no. If we just do this one fucking thing. War's over, we win. There's no- it's, it's so been used, so overdone. It's, uh, that's like a, t- I hate that trope. Yeah. At, in film, anime, TV, where it's always like, no, oh, it's over, and everyone's like, you know, it's whatever. But there's that one guy, the one quote-unquote bad guy. It's like, no, no, if we just do this one thing, we just do this one thing, everything's gonna be hunky-dory. I mean... In this case, they don't give any reasoning why Germany has a stake in this. Like, what, you know, as a actual historical World War One thing of like why the world, the war is actually going on, this great war. Why is it actually going on? The film itself doesn't give any reasoning, doesn't give any stakes to why Ludendorff really cares that much. He's just a fucking crazy German guy who 
with, paired up with Dr. Maru, they're going to use these poison gas bombs to, to win the war. Just because. Just because they want to. It, there's no reasoning behind it. Their characters are, as you said, just like the Rocky and Bullwinkle villains. <laughs> Boris and Boris Natasha. Boris and Natasha, who are like the ridiculous over-the-top people who are just villains for the sake of it. Yeah, instead of having Soviet, Soviet commies running around, you got, you know... Not quite Nazi Nazis running around. There's actually a scene where it's the it's the scene that made me dub the, dub them this. Yes, yeah, Natasha and Boris, where both Ludendorff and Doctor Maru are are uh, standing outside of this uh, armistice armistice signing, signing and, and they throw in their poison gas bomb because they're displeased that they're even considering you know trying to sign the armistice. Because again, Ludendorff's like, if we just do this one thing, we just gas these fuckers. We're going we're gonna to win the damn war. Yeah, like, we'll win instead of having to sign a treaty, basically. And that's the whole idea, that they're throwing this gas bomb in, closing the door, letting all those people who are going to sign the armistice die. Then, But also, they throw a gas mask in, and they have a little giggle, because <laughs> Dr. Maru says, the gas mask won't work. And Ludendorff says... That's the point. You know, we're just going to watch them scramble around trying to get the gas mask. And they have a, a really fucking annoying cackle <laughs> that's straight out of something like Rocky yeah. and Bullwinkle where Natasha and Boris are acting. And in that case, in Rocky and Bullwinkle, you're supposed to think like, oh, Natasha and Boris, they're stupid. Yeah. They're fucking dumb. You know, they're, they're, they're not a threat to yeah. Rocky and Bullwinkle. In this case, I mean, technically, we're really supposed to think Ludendorff and Dr. Maru are, like, like oh, some serious-looking like, yeah. evil characters. Like how, but, look how evil they are. I mean, because, for the most part, besides the mention of Ares and, and um, Diana's feeling that Ares is around and and, and uh, creating this issue with World War One, we're supposed to think Ludendorff and Dr. Maru are our main antagonists. And they're really not much of a threat. And they're, they're the reason that this damn war... You know, won't end. Exactly. And I think that the bigger issue with Ludendorff and Dr. Maru being the main focus for the antagonist is that throughout most of the film, there is really no stakes to uh, Wonder Woman at all. Like, are you ever nervous about Wonder Woman getting hurt or killed or not stopping them? No, never. You're never, you're, there's never anything that is like making you think like, oh, this, like she's never, she's not going to. Um, save the world. She's not gonna stop the poison gas bombs from destroying, you know, Britain and and everything else. There's no stakes to it, and that's my biggest issue with the storyline in general. Even though later on there are some stakes when Ares actually comes into play, for the most part there aren't really. Yeah, but that's at the that's at the you know it's at the, the very end. So like throughout most of it, you're not worried about Diana. You're really not worried about Chris Pine either because he's almost always protected by her or not even in the fight whatsoever. So there's there's very little in terms of tension that's generated by Diana or Wonder Woman being put in any danger. It's not, there's no danger to it. And I think that's probably, you know, for a good chunk of like two hours, there's nothing there that makes you fear for Diana. And that's, that's an issue. That's the same issue that sometimes there's, you there there's a problem with superman cuz he's so overpowered you everybody knows that he's very overpowered you know not much can hurt him except for his one weakness well in wonder woman there isn't really a weakness at this point there's no kryptonite for superman that there is for wonder woman it's basically just wonder woman kicking ass got her bangles ready she, 
<laughs> you know, and even if she got shot, what's the what's the damage? She heals super fast. There's not much damage to it. It's there's no tension, and that's that's a problem. They don't even really the they don't even explain really in the film how her like powers work. No, they just think oh she, oh she's special. She's special. You see her heal quickly at the beginning of the film. And it's, and it's, and it's, and very, it's like oh she's actually a weapon. Yeah, it's it's, and, it's very. Uh, it's not well see, explained see, in the same see, sense like see, Superman. Well, I was gonna say and and seeing the same thing where I kind of bitched about like we all know the origin story. That's like the one part, like that, like that's like something that's not as well like known. Like, you need to know. It's yeah. like how her powers were, yeah. or even at the very least, even if everyone knows, like that's common knowledge. You can still that's something you want to elaborate on. It's part of her character. Yeah, you don't need like you know. It's totally different from saying like, "Well, we're doing another Batman film rebooting. Time to show Thomas and Martha get shot again." Yeah. You, know, yeah. you don't need you, to. You, it's important to be grounded in that sense. Of like, what hurts Diana? Uh, what uh, what can she overcome? And what what are her powers? Yeah. And what does the lasso of truth do besides you swing it around people and they tell you the truth? And you know all of that stuff you really do need within Wonder Woman, and it doesn't really come out that much. I think that a lot of it's not really needed in this film, but maybe perhaps in in sequels and yeah. like Justice League, you do need that. Um, but at the same time, there's no tension here, so it really should have been a little bit more elaborated on. Um, so that's one of my biggest issues, is basically the in- inclusion of Ludendorff and Dr. Maru, because they're really not necessary besides the fact that they're uh, the main antagonist you're supposed to be fearing the most. You could have just had it be about... You could have totally taken them out and just have it be this huge war. It's a world war. Where the world is fighting with each other. So that would give Wonder Woman the impetus. Like, if the world is fighting with each other, I got, you know, that must mean Ares is back. Yeah. So I gotta go and fight. And have her dealing with that and being in, like, quote-unquote modern times mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. And then have at the end reveal that, like, Ares is, you know, behind, actually is behind it. Yeah. That's, you, you, don't, you don't need. Like, a lot of these films just tack on these characters that aren't necessary to the plot to be like, well, we gotta have somebody here to kind of plug into this, you know. Well, basically, and that and that's and that's what this is. Like, you don't need Ludendorff. You don't need a, doc- you know, you don't need this idea of like, well, she created a super gas. It's like, I mean, it's like no shit. At the, at the time, chemical warfare is a big part of the war. Yeah. Scientists would be constantly work on uh, all sides of the war, trying to figure out how to make a better, stronger gas to take out the enemy. So I mean, the the whole like just like we're gonna up the ante so it's even a little bit stronger. It's this the stakes in that are just so minimal. It's like yeah. Yeah, well, you just don't care. Ludendorff is basically the same as Lex Luthor in Batman v Superman. The enemy that's really not the enemy and until why, the very end. And why is he snorting gas that gives him powers? <laughs> He's, yeah, yeah, he, I don't know. He snorts gas and it gives it like super strength. And that honestly, and it's not explained. It's not told, and it doesn't anything. really give him any sort of and super it, strength that makes it, him. And it has no bearing on the plot. It no. just happens a few times where he snorts some gas and like. I I think it's mostly, probably to tie in with the comics, 
with is like that was a thing in the comics but it really does feel like it was ripped straight out of like a spider-man comic wherein you know like one of the bad guys snorts gas sometimes but in this case it really doesn't do anything it's it's totally useless it has no bearing it has yeah. it's, just, it's just like and, oh, yeah, and ludendorff is basically the stand-in for lex Luthor here because really in Batman v Superman, there's Lex Luthor who gives way to Doomsday, who's really the big enemy in that. And in this film, it's Ludendorff who gives way to Ares, who generates the whole CGI on well, no, CGI well, battle no, because... No, eh, I'd say you have it the opposite way, because Ares creates Ludendorff. His, yes his, no. his His whispering and... Well, no, but I'm tri- saying that tri- Ares is... Ludendorff giving way to Ares is more so that because Lex Luthor in Batman v Superman, he's he's a super like I actually knew you were Bruce Wayne and I knew you were Kal El and ooh, and that's Ares. Ares already knew all of that. He's the I was smarter than you and knew everything. But... No, but I'm just saying in terms of like bosses, it's Lex no, Luthor no, you're, no, and, you're, then, no, and then Doomsday. In this case, it's Ludendorff and then it's Ares. So it's like kind of like the whole sequence of. Who's really the bad guy? It's the same sort of premise. It's exactly the same as as Batman. V no, Superman. no, I I get that, but I think at the same time, yeah, the boss order is different, but at the same time, Ares is Lex and Doomsday is is Luna. Yeah, I mean, because again, giving them personas. Yeah, because because again, like I said, at the same time, Ares is a mastermind. Luther's a mind. Luther doesn't do anything fighting wise. He's just like I master manipulate everything off screen because I'm so smart. Ooh, yeah, you know. And that's the same thing with Ares. He's like, I don't make these people fight. I just whisper things, and then they just do, you know. But speaking of Ares, that final CGI sequence at, like, the end of Act 3 is really terrible. Very much reminiscent of the same sort of CGI stylings as Batman v Superman when they're fighting Doomsday. And Super- Suicide Squad. And Suicide Squad. It's Which is a shame, because as we said, Themyscira and all that... It looks good. Yeah, it looks good. This part is like trying way too hard to create a brooding. combustible, brooding uh, atmosphere because we're now we're on tarmac <laughs> in an air air base that doesn't really look World War One esque. That is now exploding with just flames all over the all over the place. It's like a hellish landscape that does not look like anything besides. An injustice game uh, level. Except injustice would look better. Yeah, probably. I, that is one of the biggest things that's that's brings Wonder Woman down, especially in the third act, because that's where you really want it to shine. And not only that, from all the terrible CGI and the CGI and CGI, just like Batman v Superman, just like with um, Suicide Squad, the framing of it all, like of what is going on that final fight sequence. Is not good at all. Yeah, it's very not. It's not blocked well at all. It's the, very. It's very just like here's some shit happening. Just the boom. shots are too dark. Everything is really dark and rainy and drizzly, and you can't make out what's happening. That's the biggest thing. Like why you want those action sequences to really be punchy, and I mean I no pun intended on that one, <laughs> and uh, the darkness. And the flames and just all of that does not culminate in scenes where you can make out what's going on. I think that a lot of Wonder Woman's other action scenes are pretty well blocked and they look good. Her fighting... Except... 
is good. Except. Except. For the overabundant use of unnecessary slow-mo. Yeah, it's it's And problem. it's not just a few times. It is throughout, like, almost every action sequence. Hey, this Themyscirin, like, <laughs> bow hunter is going to be using three arrows that wants to shoot three Germans and while running off a shield to jump in the air to fire them? Slow-mo. Wonder Woman's gonna do a sidekick sweep and then do like a flip into another kick. Slow mo. Yeah, two hours and twenty one minutes of this film. 30. You probably can get rid of like twenty to thirty minutes of slow mo. It's it's a lot. And I I questioned Martin at the beginning of this podcast, asking him how much time and how many scenes do you think are actually in slow mo? And you just said too many. I don't know either. I I can't think of like specifically how many scenes were in slow-mo but it's 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 a lot and it's um fatiguing is what i'll say because does anyone think like it's a like good to use slow-mo like not i don't know i mean i don't because i think it just breaks the, the matrix called yeah it's been almost 20 years now this is not necessary. This is something... I just think that it breaks with the... Immersion? The, yeah, the realism and the action and the pacing of the, the scene itself. Like, you know, you don't want to ha- constantly be s- seeing, like, real live action scenes that are then slowed down. It It makes the whole thing slower, and it doesn't really immerse you in it. Um, You're not going to feel that kick harder from Wonder Woman if it's slowed down. And if it's well-directed, I mean, we really don't need to see it in slow-mo. We can see it in regular speed. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that that final sequence is kind of a culmination of all of that. There's slow-mo. There's tons of CGI shit happening all over the place and explosions and flames and... uh, you know, it doesn't even really look like real life anymore. It doesn't look like the world. It looks like some sort of alternate dimension of, you know, the atmosphere has been sucked away, <laughs> leaving only, like, hellish flames and and stuff in in the, the foreground. It doesn't look real. It doesn't mesh with the realism of the film. It looks so- like a Nazi zombies DLC map for, like, Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah. Like- and I think that's... That's the biggest thing. It's the exact same thing that Batman v Superman really suffered from. It's just, and it looks like Justice League's going to be the same way of just having drizzly, bad, blocked, vision uh, disturbed scenes of CGI on CGI action. It's like at that point, yeah, just boot up Injustice and have them fighting in Injustice, or just make an animated film. Exactly, just or make an animated yeah. film. Um, I don't really want to see all of this CGI flame stuff. I would rather see them fighting just on a nor- normal base or something. Normal uh, plane of reality. We don't need to see all that CGI. No, it's I, no, it's I, I over, it's overused. It's taxing. And I gotta say that I don't really think um, that Ares is a very imposing enemy in this film at all well one he's totally miscast as just an old british man <laughs> yeah i think that's that's part of it because you've got that David yeah you've got that you've got that uh old generally he's an old older british guy and which i kind of understand in the sense that he's the god of war so 
he's, you know, cunning and, you know, like, ooh, look at me. You know, and and it fits with the time period. But the fact that the film leads you throughout essentially the entire film thinking that Ares doesn't really exist. It's it's all it's all made up bullshit. Yeah. They're fight Diana's men are fighting because men are men. This is what men do. They're idiots. And then he shows up to be like, Oh no, I'm actually I'm actually am here. Yeah. I, he's here. I don't, he's just I don't whispering. I don't tell them what to do or force them. I just whisper things and then they do it. Yeah. It's like awesome. It's, <laughs> it's I I mean I don't really I think I like David Thewlis. I think he's a good actor, but I don't really buy those scenes where Ares is Ares but with David Thewlis's face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, and the, the, the huge essentially the Sauron Ares fucking Sauron armor like yeah. he's in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but but <laughs> David Thewlis's face. I don't buy it. It doesn't it just didn't really work for me. Um I like that you brought up that whole thing about Ares whispering in men's ears too because that's a huge theme within the film. Are men really just evil? Are they goaded into it by a god of war? The film really comes to the conclusion that, yeah, men make those decisions. They they are bad. People are bad, and they do bad things. Whether they're goaded or not. Whether they're goaded or not. At the same time, even though the film wants to have that theme, it fucking messes it up. Because at the end, when Ares is vanquished, what happens? All the war's over! It's okay! Everything's fine now! We'll just sign the tree. It's all good. Everybody stops fighting. It, no, that doesn't. But he's not, well. But he's, uh, I guess, technically, because he's only influencing certain, like Ludendorff and. I don't think it like, matters, though. But at the same time, he's the god of war. He should be able to have further influence. And like, I literally got to be right up against you. Like, I, hey. But, the, but I if think, you if you add one extra hydrogen atom to this uh, formula, you gas becomes more potent. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. But I think the the central idea between Wonder Woman is that men can be bad or good. They make good. They make those decisions. And I think it's more leaning towards the, the hopeful that yes we people do bad things but we have the capacity the fact that we have the capacity for love and kindness and no, good yeah, I agree. Over, overrides and will win the day. I and, agree. And, I think I mean that's that's in the same encompassing thing. I'm I'm talking about like what started World War 1 is people are bad, they want to do bad things sometimes. But at the same time, yes, you have Chris Pine's character who sacrifices himself and wants to do good for the rest of the people. You have those characters who, part of humanity, they're they're good people, and and that's what's gonna lead the change. And but that's it's, what's like, gonna... but it's such a. I don't think the film needs that because it's such a simplistic take on a very complex. It's simplistic and on a very complex moral. It's. Well, especially, especially seeing as World War One wasn't like World War One didn't start because well, there's just bad people who want no a murder and a threatening and the alliance of alliances of alliance and nationalism and building it is it's again it's like the whole thing that like it's not like well yeah it's it's not like a like a if you wanted to do a simple like a like well again like the beginnings of World War One are much more complicated than like. Well, people are bad, and these leaders are just glory-hungry people who want to go to war. If you wanted to go the route of, like, Ares whispering things into man, and 
man, like, then listening to Ares, and, like, so he's betraying, like, his inherent capacity for good. You would then have to make this, like, start out at the beginning of man. Everything's perfect, but then when Ares falls, he's like, hit that guy with a, over the head with a rock. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he looked at your mate the wrong way, and, you know, that's, that's how jealousy came into the lives of man, and... You'd have to like introduce that into the franchise to kind of well, to kind of get that whole point it, across in a way that's kind of you know simple yet meaningful. And I basically agree because the film is then finding yes, um, it's oversimplifying World War One because not only is it giving a simple conclusion that Ares is vanquished and Steve Trevor makes a sacrifice to kill himself in order to stop a poison gas bombing. The Germans were wrong the entire time. (laughs) They were wrong, and the treaty is immediately signed. I mean, basically what happens is that whole scenario occurs, and then, like, the next scene that we get is them celebrating the armistice. So it oversimplifies that. It's like, no, I mean, I don't really think that fighting just stopped that night. Ares is dead, so Germans and Britons alike just clasped hands and were like, Fuck, I I can't believe Ludendorff and and everybody else are dead. Uh, I'm so happy, and let's just be friends now. It oversimplifies it, and it doesn't really explain it. And I think that those themes get lost, because now you're you're getting lost in, like, well, is it really men that are making those choices? Is Ares really kind of swaying them? Um, There's no... It doesn't really come to grips with, like, what it wants the theme to be. And I think that's... um, a problem with the storyline um i don't think it's necessary that they decide that no you could you literally could just could have had it been Ares is through his being a god and he yeah. has the power to manipulate and that's how it started like this this specific war started like he's yeah. he manipulates certain people to keep things go or he's make letting it continue through his manipulation i, th- I think the fact you're going trying to go the whole moralistic route of Trying to answer that age-old question of, like, well, is man actually naturally good, or are they inherently evil? It, it doesn't need it. It's like, you're you're trying to be complex when you don't need to I be I mean, complex. I get why they did it, though, because that's basically the inherent question with all the Zack Snyder DC Universe films. Batman v Superman, same thing. We make the choices, and... Your Batman is a more, perfect example that's of fo- that's more focused on Superman and God. Can we true? Can we, can we trust a God? But exactly. But I mean, I think they're trying to tie that this Wonder Woman storyline into the same exa- those same themes of like Batman being a perfect example. He makes a decision to fight crime. Is it a good decision? Uh, that's pretty much his moral question throughout. Like, do, is that a, is is this decision of me to fight crime and to do these things that cause other people harm? Is it a good decision? That's the kind of the crux of the Batman dilemma. And you would think, being the world's greatest detective and probably the smartest man on the planet, you'd figure out, no, Bruce, go home. I mean, to be honest <laughs> with you, and I from I think it's it's I think the comics do a far better job, depending on which comics you're reading, of elaborating on this. Is that Batman is really not that great of a person? He's not a great character. He's not a great superhero because his unwillingness to do the things that he has to do, like kill off his enemies, which probably in some circumstances is warranted because obviously like the Riddler and the Joker, they're smart enough to be able to get out of Arkham whenever they need to. You At that point, what do you do with them? You can't keep them in like some super base because they, they always get out. There's always something that happens. And Batman is not a good character because 
all the time, they one-up him every single time. And for the most part, I think the comics do a very a, a much better job of forcing him to question those I think that's like the, that's like the crux of the Killing Joke, though. Yeah, exactly. Like, like at the end, like, do you think at the end of the Killing Joke, Batman's killing the Joker, or he's having a laugh with him? Yeah. Did he make and does he make mistakes by not killing people? His moral compass of saying I don't kill people is that a a hindrance to everybody else? Yeah, probably. I think so, but um, I don't think that. Any of the DC films have done that theme justice in the way that they would probably like to, in in what seems like they're going for. And the same is true of Wonder Woman. I think that the themes get muddled at the end. The act, the the final act, is altogether kind of reminiscent of the problems that have plagued all the other DC films so far. For Act One and Two, much much better. Uh, Wonder Woman and the makers behind this film have certainly learned a lot from the previous failures. Um, but at the same time, Act 3 kind of drops back into that. So hopefully, the next film that comes out, and I don't really remember what that Justice is. Is it, is it Justice League that comes out next? Yep. Hopefully, Justice League does learn from this, even Wonder Woman's mistakes in Act 3, and cleans up the CGI shit that goes on that you can't really follow, and figures out a way to make those themes a little bit more prominent. Although, from the trailers that we've seen, I no. don't see it happening. If that's if what we've seen in the trailers is what we're getting in the film, I don't see it happening. Would did you think at the end of this film, after like the base is destroyed and a bunch of Kaiser Wilhelm's finest have been killed off, a young Adolf Hitler sat in the burning tarmac and saw a super Jew flying around, and that was the impetus for Mein Kampf? I th- I, it sounds about right. There should be a whole offshoot of Wonder Woman yeah, to just deal with that. <laughs> That's just, what I was thinking of the entire time. Like they should have had like a extra th- an extra scene where like Hitler's just like Juden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is why we lost he's like he he could have been like Ludendorff's sidekick, like, Yes, we will win the war, you know, ooh, you know, and Yeah. It's a perfect it's a perfect offshoot of Wonder Woman, for sure. All right, so what would you give Wonder Woman on a scale of uh, 10 lassos of truth? Well, let's see. Once again, thinking of the same, same thought I was. Uh, I'd give it a 6. Yeah, and that I mean, that's pretty much what you said when after we saw it, too. I think you said the exact same rating, 6 out of 10. Yeah, um, I haven't changed on it. I think... I think it's got some good points. I think, it, by far, it's the best of the new DC universe. It's, you could actually sit and watch it and not be, like, groaning throughout the entire film. I think Gal Gadot does a very good job as Wonder Woman, which, I, to be honest with you, did not expect, because though her role in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is very limited, she didn't do anything in it that was promising of her being in the role so this changed my mind on it and i think she you know from here on out and i think in justice league she might be a shining star in that because i though i think she's good i think uh ben affleck is shown to be a good batman i am not convinced on henry cavill as superman at all or jason momoa as aquaman i don't really see that yeah either. no i don't and that we haven't seen really cyborg and flash yet so 
I can't make that up. But I think she did a really good job. Outside of that, Chris Pine in this is just fucking Chris Pine. And I don't like Chris Pine because he just plays your stereotypical, look at me, I'm smarmy asshole douche. I'm the kind of modern day William Shatner, you know. Look at me. I don't care for his acting really at all. So, and I don't really think anyone else stands out in the film. Um, I think the setup's good. I th- Though, I think second act, not just the third act, I do think the second act is slow at times. Yeah, with, that's true. With them just trolloping around London, not really doing much. Um, the third act is where it comes to a complete halt, though, and just shit happens. Like in most of these films. Um, I think they miscast Ares. I think they could have done a better job of having Ares in the film. Especially seeing as he's Wonder Woman's you know, greatest villain. And the fact that he's now just kind of relegated to... Uh, he's in it for five minutes. Dead, but not dead. Because obviously war is still happening. So even though he's defeated, he's probably hiding somewhere secretly. Influencing... Things that are going on, which may come down the line, you know, not just in the Wonder Woman franchise, but in like Justice League as a plot point. But yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I would give it maybe. I I, th- I guess I would give it a seven out of ten. I I did enjoy it. I think it's pretty good. Um, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, perhaps combined. <laughs> um, no, I would agree with that. It, oh, and I was say. One thing before I forget to, because we did talk about it, and the mo- and the whole moralizing, I think uh, people are reading way too much into it. Yeah, I think it's it's there, but it's not a focal point. It's something to kind of just connect. It's there mainly because Wonder Woman is a moral character from the background that she comes from of being somebody who's supposed to be the protector of man. Absolutely. So that so I'm fine with it being there because that's essential to her personality and her character. But I don't think it's a focal point. I think many people who have been kind of bitching about it one way or the other of feminism, politics and all that, you it's a you're reading way you're reading way more into it than what it's actually going for. That's why, as we just talked about, it's very skin deep. It's you know Right, right. Minimal. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's uh, probably a, a good 7 out of 10. I think it's the best of the DC films. If the rest of the DC films go in this direction, um, definitely a turning point of you know looking up for the franchise. So um, I can certainly get behind Wonder Woman and hope for, uh, for some more of the same at least. Um, and maybe perhaps learning from the mistakes of even this film um, going forward, especially with Justice League and Aquaman coming up. Um, but other than that, I was pleasantly surprised, and I, I can't say that I feel the same loathing as I do for uh, Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. So Now, we didn't ask the question, uh, question but where do you think uh, Wonder Woman takes it from Chris Pine on this film? <laughs> I have no idea. After after getting to know the touch of a man, where cause she did get, she did say in the film that she's read you know the twelve volumes of you know uh, sex and pleasure 
Are you asking where the load goes? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking that it probably goes on the stomach. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that the face is probably too, uh, too um, demeaning. And truthfully, Gal Gadot doesn't have huge boobs. So I'm going to say the stomach. What about on her, you know, her braces? Could have deflected it off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Shot it back at him. That's, yeah. <laughs> like, you take that. Yeah, no, in truth, he probably shot it on himself. <laughs> He's above average. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next week, we're going to try to do the new Tom Cruise vehicle, The Mummy. Um, and the reason we're doing that is because of all of the great reviews that have been coming out for it. So we want um, to ride that bandwagon. That's right. Uh, <laughs> or the ones that say this is the worst Tom Cruise movie ever. That that's a that's not a light like statement either. That's something. Have they not seen Days of Thunder? Exactly. There. I mean, there are some bad Tom Cruise movies. So. Especially in the past 15 years, you know. Uh, but, and it also makes sense for us to cover this because it's part of the Universal Dark Universe movies. And I had no idea this was a thing until you pointed it out. They were doing it. They are doing a, their own universe of monster movies. So they are like, what, like Frankenstein? They're doing Bride of Frankenstein in 2019. And like yeah. Dracula. Wait, they're doing Bride of Frankenstein? Bride of Frankenstein they, in 2019. They, before they do Frankenstein. I don't know about before Frankenstein, but I know... That I saw because The Mummy and Bride of Frankenstein were both written by the same people. So if Bride of Frankenstein is the same as The Mummy... Why would you lead with The Mummy, though? Unless they're like, well, people will remember it because The Rock and The Scorpion think I think that's probably the idea. Oh, my God. So, but we are definitely... We're getting into this dark universe. We're going to start it just like we have Marvel and DC movies. And we are venturing out to see The Mummy, so... Get ready for that because it's this it better, should be a lot of fun. This better be like an hour and a half film. Oh, I I would not bet on that. I would not bet on that. I'm gonna look it up right now. No, I know. I'm gonna really look it up right now, but it's an hour and fifty minutes, so uh, not, not as bad as it could be, but also probably overly long. I'm gonna guess right now. This movie should have been a fifty minute Tales from the Crypt episode. Yeah, pretty much. So, but we're definitely we're definitely going to see that and do that next. So, oh, that's sad that without ad block on, you go to IMDb of certain movies and they have a giant ass ad for it. Yeah, they do. They always oh, do. Wonder Woman had one. The Mummy has yeah, one. Yeah, I know that. Well, I have ad block on, so yeah. I don't I don't run into these things. But yep. So that's next on the agenda, and then coming up for a two year anniversary really? in July. Russell Crowe is Russell Crowe's in it too. Is yeah, Doctor Jekyll. Why is Doctor Jekyll in the mummy? I have no idea. Oh my god! We'll find out. Well, they're gonna like you said. They're gonna... There's a universe, so oh obviously it's something Look happening. That. It's literally like four people, and then it's just random people for the yeah. rest. Like, oh, yeah. see ya. But uh, and then the next time um, in July, we're doing the RoboCop remake for our anniversary. Yeah, July. It's gonna be special. Maybe we'll get guests on. I don't know. We'll go all out. We'll have balloons, <laughs> even though we'll be the only ones that can see them. We'll have balloons. <laughs> we'll take pictures. That's for right. Facebook that's and Twitter. Right. All right. That's that's the movie I think people have been anticipating. We've been putting that on a little stick and dangling out for yeah. a while. Is Robocop the, is our two year anniversary gift? The remake. All right. So um, 
little administrative duties. Uh, we are, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, any other podcast app. If you have a review system, please give us a nice review and uh, subscribe to us. Really appreciate that. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Blood and Black Rum. Um, and obviously, we do retweet and share and all that stuff. So, like us on there. We have a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Facebook kind of sucks, so we only use it slightly but uh you can like us on there and and hopefully if we get enough likes then facebook will allow us to be seen by other people um we're also on um we have an email it's blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com email us let us know what you think about the podcast and any movies that you want to see us cover and uh also we have a patreon page it's patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast you can donate to us help us keep the podcast afloat by uh you know giving us money monthly it is a monthly donation so just keep that in mind when you uh sign up other than that uh thank you for listening um and we will be back next week hopefully with a review (laughs) slash slandering of the mummy (laughs) take care see you later